All right, I'm going to be really honest with you here as we <clears throat> jump into the message. I, you know, every message is intended, this is what preaching is, preaching is intended to convince you of something. So if you're new to a preaching setting, uh, there's a little bit of presentation taking place in a message, there's a little bit of an attorney standing up here making his case, and at the end, I want to overwhelm you with evidence to convince you to agree with whatever it is that I'm talking about every week, right? So we're standing in the first week of 2024. I, I want to I do something this morning by the grace of God that changes the way you approach the entire year. So I have high aspirations that we're just not going to do another year, right? Another year. I'm getting older and older. I've done a lot of years. I've done a lot of Januaries, right? I need some help from God to see this year uniquely. I need to not just do what I did last year. What I've done every year is I've started the year and had well intentions, but missed out on some other things, didn't put some things in place. So I I need a plan. And this is about putting a plan together. And it's going to be a little bit of a series that we start to get some insights from God over the next several weeks. As we start the year, I like to do that every year. Um, one of the gifts I gave to my kids this year, stuck it in their stockings, was a, a, a book by Tim Challies. As you can see, it's not a really big book. It's a book called Do More Better. Tim Challies is a pastor, a blogger, and book writer. And, and this is a, you know, for those of us who need some help organizing our lives, which, is there anybody who doesn't need help organizing our lives? We just got too much going on, Right. And something's going to crawl into your life this week that you didn't plan on. It's going to take up space and energy. Uh, We need an approach to what do we do with all the information and people and time frames and schedules and money? How do we manage all that? If you've never read a book like this, super helpful book. There's lots of books out there and some of them are better than this one. This one is simple and this one is God-centered. And so I highly recommend it to you. But the mere fact that I'm asking you to do this pulls on a concept. When you go to have this moment in January where you have an opportunity to reset your life and rethink your life and you start thinking about, okay, we can't keep doing what we did last year. It wore us out. We need a different schedule. We need to figure out who's driving the kids on this day and, and how do we do a budget this year? We were upside down last year. All that stuff, if you're thinking of adjusting anything, all that stuff is highlighting your approach to life. You got some kind of an approach to life. Even this title, do more better. Do more of what? What's life supposed to have in it, right? When you go to stick all your categories into some kind of a, a budget, you know, do better with your money. Well, if I use the word better, I just implied something. I just implied there's a value system out there. There's something worse. If there's something better, then there's something worse. It's kind of like an equator, and you can be above it or below it. And our existence has these kind of things in it. So when you go to schedule your your time this year, how do you know if you've done a good job or not? Did you do a good job scheduling your time last year? How do you know? Just because you managed to write stuff on a calendar and stick with it, was that a good use of your time? Did you put it in the right categories? Better than your time, by the way, is, is guys who will talk to you about managing your energy. Right? You can only focus on so many things and do so many things in your life. Better to manage your energy, by the way, than manage your time. Because some things take up this much time, but they drain you of energy and emotion and the weight of life. That's not the same event as the two-hour event that's just like it somewhere else. It's not the same. So your life is going to get reviewed at this moment if you will do a little bit of planning and think through the year. And so therefore, you need big questions and not just little questions. You need something beyond this week, something beyond Monday and Tuesday. You need the big questions of life. And so I want to get really philosophical with us this morning because we need to have some philosophy in our lives. I want to use big words like existentialism. How's that one? Anybody take a philosophy class in college? Like you learned about existentialism, right? It's a big, fancy, heady word, but it's got a little word tucked inside of it that's an obvious word. Don't overlook it. It's just the mere thought that you and I exist. 
When you stand in January and you think through the 12 months that are possibly coming before you, you're going to exist in these 12 months. But you don't exist by yourself. You exist in the midst of other things. You exist in a world. You exist in something that was here before you. You exist in something that has an understanding about itself, no matter who you are, no matter what plans you have. There is an existence in which you exist, right? I wrote a little paragraph out there in your notes. It says, we exist. This is why you come to church on Sunday mornings to get the really deep stuff, right? We exist. <laughs> Along with a lot of other stuff, other creatures, seen and unseen creatures, and other people. And, and we're complicated, right? Unlike rocks. And matter and wood and plants and even animals. We're complicated. We, we have things like history, philosophy, science. And all these things bring some kind of commentary to our existence. All those things factor into how we think about our existence. We also have intellect. We're thinkers. We have emotions. We're traveling through life and we're experiencing things. We feel stuff and that's powerful things in our lives. We have affections. We have values. Some things we don't even pay attention to because they're valueless to us. But some things are really worth staying up at night and worrying about. We have things like achievement. We have purpose in our lives. There's memory looking back. And then there's hopes looking forward. We also bring all these things into a commentary on our existence. So here's your definition for existentialism, right? And it's what all of us are doing. Whether you took the class in college or not, we're all doing this. It is a philosophical theory or an approach, right? Everybody here has got an approach. Whether you knew it or not, and whether you've written it down or not, you have an approach to life which emphasizes the existence of the individual person as a free and responsible agent determining their own development through acts of the will. All right, so as heady as that might be, that's what we're all doing, right? We've got some kind of an approach, and individually, everybody decides about that, you and me, and we're determining how things are going to unfold, what we're going to approach. We're going to make decisions one after another, little ones about you know, where are we going to lunch today and who are we going to do that with to really, really big ones in our lives. Everybody here has a strategy when it comes to life. So here's what I'm going to do with us today and over the next several weeks. We're going to learn a, a, a new board game, right? You've never seen this board game before. I know that because I made it up. Now, obviously, like, like all other board games, uh, there, there's little concepts in board games, right? If, you, if, you, if you've enjoyed playing board games, you know, if you're a modern person, you've substituted the video games for board games. You know, and you're no longer doing Monopoly or the Game of Life or Risk. Now you're doing like Fortnite and Call of Duty. But all these things, they're, they're, <clears throat> they're like little parallel universes, that we leave our little world and we enter into that little world. And if the game takes you an hour to play or it takes you three hours to play, <clears throat> during that time, you kind of get a break from your world and you get to sort of be somebody else in this world. But isn't it weird that we take so much of our world with us when we invent these little settings? Right? In, these, in that world, there's instructions in that world. Anybody get a box of gift, maybe you got a board game gift this Christmas, you've never seen it before and you opened it up, had no instructions in it, right? There's no such thing. You gotta have instructions. And then you discover there's, there's a way to play the game. There's boundaries in the game. There's rules in the game. This is right, this is wrong, this gets rewarded, that gets punished. There's opposing forces in the game. There's a pathway, there's a destination, there's a way to succeed at this game and there's a way to fail at it. So I don't know what your strategy is and all you guys know it. And you know, everybody, probably most people here, older people, especially you've played Monopoly at some point. I don't know what your strategy is, but you know, you've always played with this person and maybe it's you don't mean to insult you, but maybe you're that person who's like, your strategy is buy up all the railroads and the utilities. 
right? That they're easy to get, no one wants them. And they don't pay much, but you've got a lot of possibilities that someone's going to land on your space and you're going to earn some money from that. But then there's others of you who are kind of like, oh, I need to roll high because I got to get around the board faster than everybody else because I want to own Boardwalk and Park Place. And that's my goal in life. I just want to own these two spaces in the game of Monopoly. But you do that, you take those actions because why? You think they'll help you win, Right? If I own the most expensive piece of property on the board and you land on it, I'm going to sink you. You're done and I'm rich. So you've got an approach in this game, right? You get, when you play the game of life, you got to decide, you know, do you, do you get out there fast and, and go start earning money quick or do you delay and go to college? Remember these, remember the game of life, right? All this stuff is strategy, right? Welcome to the game. Well, you and I are playing a game. Right, little parallel universe, but it's, this is actually the real universe that we're in, the real world that we are in, and I'm going to call it the game of existence. And I'm going to introduce you to a new word, the word yashab. It's a Hebrew word, and you'll learn what it means in just a moment. But if I give you this game yashab, and I tell you, hey, take yashab home, and let's learn to play this game, um, it has instructions in it. You have to read. The instructions. If I make you curious about the game, there's no way for you to play it unless you read the instructions. And the instructions cover everything from the little things, like, okay, when it's your turn, what do you do? Right? Well, you roll the dice, you move this many spaces, etc. Uh, this is this is what a turn is. Uh, this is what happens if you do this. Right? There's there's cause and effect in games. Uh, can I die in this game? How many lives do I get? Can I just tell you in Yashab, you get one life. Those of you who used to play in Call of Duty <clears throat> or Fortnite and you get to come back, you don't get to come back in this game. You get, you get one life, right? So these are just the little small things. When it's your turn, you can make some decisions. You're going to implement your strategy a little bit. But all those small things, they answer to some big questions. How do you win? Right? Everybody's doing this game, this game of existence. Everybody's doing it. My question to you is, how do you win your job? How do you, how do you become successful? Right? You know, the, those of you guys who play Monopoly, you don't want anybody else to know. So when you've got lots of money, you tuck it under the board. How many of you guys do that? <laughs> Put it under the board and you just kind of leave out a couple hundred bucks. That nobody knows just how wealthy you really are. But you know, right? And you know at the end of the game, the person with the most money wins. And so how do I know if I'm doing good? Well, I have a lot of money. All right, at your shop, at the game of existence. How do you know if you're doing good right now? Are you winning? Or are you losing? Are you in a good place or a bad place? Well... When you get this game, you take it home with you, you're going to take the box off of it, and you're going to open it up, and on the top is going to be this little white piece of paper. It's going to be thin, not too many pages to it. It's the instructions, right? Now, I don't know who you are, but I'm the nerdy guy in the group, so I'm the guy who's going to read the instructions. Every last dot and tittle, I'm going to read the instructions. Now, you might be the guy who lets the nerdy guy read the instructions, right? And you're just kind of like, hey, I just want to play the game. And you're impatient. You don't like how long it's taking for the person to read the instructions. So, so let's be honest. There's many of you here who have been playing board games and you have no idea whether you're playing them correctly. <laughs> Isn't that true? You've never read the instructions. You trusted somebody else to read the instructions and interpret them for you and just give you little tips because you were quick to want to play the game. Does that sound like life a little bit? How many of us just run out? We just start doing life. And it's like, I haven't, I haven't read the instructions. I'm just playing. And, and quite honestly, I'm pretty busy playing. I don't have time for the instructions. I'm busy playing the game. Whose interpretation of the instructions are you playing with then? Somebody explained to you just enough about the game so that you could engage it and know you roll or you move something. You do life. You get married. You have a career. You own a house. 
You try to get along with people, right? I mean, you borrowed some kind of ideas. Now, how many of you guys have played a game for years only to have some really super nerd show up and around where you're playing and all of a sudden they tell you that you've been playing it wrong all this time? And they pull the instructions out and they show you. It's like, no, no, on the third turn you lose a card, not gain a card. What? All this time I've been playing the game wrong. All right, well, we need instructions to play this game. All right, so our instructions are going to come from Psalm 24. So if you want to turn to the instruction manual and open up to Psalm 24, this one psalm is going to give us tremendous insights into playing the game Yashab. So when you're there, hopefully you've got your own device, your own Bible with you. You can look at it with me. All right, let me do this before, though. What I do with my notes. Here we go. All right, before, before I read the instructions, because this is really what you do when you get, when you get a game, don't you take the, the board out first? And you actually studied the board first so that it's totally confusing to you because you haven't read the instructions yet. Nobody's disciplined just to take the instructions and read them and don't look at the board. No, everybody looks at the board first. All right, so let's look at the board first. So if you open your notes up to the inside page there, you see this, this map and it's got, a, it's got a pathway to it. And it kind of represents this, this journey through life. So existence... It's not just a moment, right? That's super important. We could talk about that today and that'd be enough. Your life is not just any one moment. Whether it's a great moment, super successful moment, horrible moment. Your life is not just any one moment. It's a journey. It's going somewhere, right? It's a process. So if you look on the map here, you see... There's 2023, and you know, and we stood at this place in January of 2023, and there's another journey moment in 2024 that's taking place in this map. And, and maybe if we just walk through some of the landscape, this is the real life events and landscape of the life that you and I are living. You're you're going to enter into the terrain that's listed here. All these various places, you may not visit them all this year, but you're probably going to visit several of them this year. You're going to land in these moments and these moments are going to touch your intellect and they're going to touch your emotions because God who created things made you a certain way. So when you encounter these things, some wonderful things, some very difficult things, they're going to have an impact on you. You just finished 2023. Can I get an amen? Did anything impact you in 2023? Did did you have to think through some things and manage your emotions and face conflicting understandings and and just be turned upside down and things may have gone in a direction you had no idea what to do, right? That was 2023. Well, 2024 is going to be a a similar version of that. What's what's your strategy? What's your approach? You're going to buy a boardwalk in Park Place, right? When you play the game, you got to have an approach. So let's just walk through some of the moments here. And I want you to do this, right? This is a homework assignment, This is an invitation for you to come back on Wednesday night and pray after you've had a chance to look at 2023 and 2024 and think about your life, right? The one thing I think that Christianity was never intended to be and it's become in our busy, overstuffed world. Isn't there this thing out here? I don't know how many of you guys do this app thing, Be Real. My kids are always doing this Be Real thing. Right, so in a be real moment, it's like all of a sudden they're taking a picture of something. It's like this one day assignment where, you know, whatever you're doing, you, I guess you're going to be real, you know, and, and you're going to take a picture of the moment. Uh, some of us, as we walk with God, we, we have a problem with being real. We're just not doing a good job of keeping it real. And so I would say you might need to revisit 2023 and stop just being a part of some church Stop being a part of some massive system. Stop believing there's a book that's got a bunch of ideas in it. But when it comes to my life, this stuff doesn't show up in my world. I'm not real. All right, God's not interested in that. He's interested in, in being real in your life. All right, so maybe last year you, you, know, you started off your journey, you see there on the, on the map, and maybe the mountain of mourning was a terrain you had to encounter. Because people in your life 
died. People close to you, friends, relatives, people you've partnered with in life. And, and you encountered that moment and it affected you. And you needed to think your way through that. And you were going to feel some things in that moment. What's your strategy going to be if in 2024 you got to walk through the mountains of mourning yet again, or maybe for the first time? Many here, the last year was a severe mountain of mourning territory for many here last year. It was, it was a tough year in this category. Maybe just things are departing in your life. Maybe, maybe mourning comes when a season of your life ends. Like mourning is not always just because someone died. You can, have a, you can have a pet die in your life. And, and that, there's, a, there's a loss in that, right? I mean, you have, you've kind of woven your life together with something God's put in your life. And, and that's not wrong, right? And you know, don't, don't go thinking that God intended you to be this cold box of glass who doesn't attach itself to anything. Only God. I'm only attached to God. God you're weird. If that's who you are, you're a weirdo. And you're not living the way God designed you to live. You're supposed to get attached to things. You're supposed to love them deeply. You're supposed to enjoy them richly. So what happens when that ends? Suddenly a season of life that meant something to you. Oh, well, I guess your identity was all in the wrong place. Uh, well, I guess I was just enjoying the things God gave me as well. And it's come to an end. And now you have this sense of, man, it feels kind of empty. It's kind of lonely. Right? I wasn't ready for this. Right? So this is, this is the mountains of mourning. You're going to experience these things. right? Job loss, lifestyle loss. Used to be younger and you could do some things. And now you can't do some of those things. And that shows up every day of your life and you feel it. How are you going to approach that? How are you going to manage that? Maybe the valley of vengeance. Maybe you're going to travel through the valley of vengeance. You're going to, for some reason, revisit past hurts, things that people did to you, ways that people failed you. Listen, maybe you've been fine with that, but something's going to happen this year that unearths that. That those actions of those people in my past created this moment for me. And, and it, not in 2023. You know what? I, I wasn't in touch with that. But now I'm walking through some things right now that, you know what? I didn't do this. Those people did that. This person hurt me. And, so, and now you start dwelling on it and you've got an approach and you start unpacking that. And you live in a world that loves to teach you how to do victimizing and victimization. And so you revisit that event, this valley of vengeance, and you break out ideas and an approach to life in that moment. And you start thinking about what that person did and what you said and how they responded and all the hurts and things that aren't resolved. And you, all of a sudden there's bitterness floating up in your life. And there's unforgiveness in your life. And there's distance. Not only do you not trust those, but I don't trust anybody. I don't trust anybody because I've been hurt in the past. Right? Am, I, am I playing anybody's story here? Right? Because some of you have walked through the valley of vengeance. But you just weren't ready to know that's the land that you're walking through. And it's going to feel a certain way. And it's going to make you think a certain way. How about the river of relationships? At some point, you're going to have to cross the river of relationships in this journey that we're on in life. And, and what's that going to be like? What well, could be incredible? It could be wonderful friends that you share the greatest of times with and camaraderie and coming together. It, it could be bad friends in your life. People with influence over you that they shouldn't have. It could be relationships going bad. Could be you've had great relationships and all of a sudden some conflict shows up this year that wasn't in last year or wasn't even in your history before at all. And you've got to manage a sense of conflict and a sense of distance with this person who used to be in touch with you a lot. Now they're just kind of not. And you're questioning some things, right? You're going to walk through relationship elements. Maybe you're going to have the ocean of options. Right? This one, whether you like it or not, is coming your way. You're going to have to swim through the ocean of options. Hey, weekends are coming. There's travel opportunities. You got your hobbies. There's entertainment. There's must-see TV. There's binging. Binging used to be about food, 
Remember those days? Streaming and scrolling. There's gadgets and there's new gadgets and there's gadgets you don't have and there's apps for you to download on your new gadgets. There's news. There's always news and there's more news and, and you have to keep up, right? There's options here. There's work. There's shopping. There's social media. There's podcasts. There's kids sports on Sunday mornings. There's options. You are going to swim in the ocean of options. What's your approach going to be? You can just get sucked into the tide of wherever the water takes me. Whatever options come this year. See, because we don't really have an approach to think through. We have too many options. What if you have too many options? Do you have an approach that says no to any options? Right? I mean, in the world that God creates, uh, yeah, we need that. All right, so I want you to take that map home. I want you to visit all those different regions and locations and think through and maybe do this maybe some of the words that are underneath those headings just maybe get get yourself a pen and sit down and circle the ones that leap out at you as you think about 2023 and there's all kinds of fear in here there's anger in here there's anticipation and hope in here and any of those things could have been your experience but but pay attention to your existence you are living this game I just wanted to help us approach this year with a little bit more insight from God's word. All right, let's read the instructions now. Psalm 24. You've opened the box. We're all gathered here to play the game. And Nerdy Keith is going to read the instructions to us. Here's what it says. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and who does not swear deceitfully he will receive blessing from the lord and righteousness from the god of his salvation such is the generation of those who seek him who seek the face of the god of jacob and then this last little section is its own little section it says Lift up your heads, oh gates, right? This is, this is the imagery of an entrance into the city, right? The gates were a big deal, right? Not like us, we just kind of drive in on different interstates and roads, but there's a main road coming into a town and its gates were significant. It was the opening of the people in that town. They met at the gates, etc. Lift up your heads, oh gates, and be lifted up, oh ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? Yahweh, the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. All right, you have here instructions, right? right verses 1 and 2, Psalm 24. Answer the question. You, you show up on the, the game board and, and you got to ask the question, where am I? Right? When you go to figure out your life, you got to ask the question, hey, where am I? In the grand scheme of all that exists, I can't just be focused on the idea that I exist and I don't pay attention to anything else. I exist because other things exist. Where Am I? Well, you're on earth, Keith. And the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness, every molecule of it, is his. And those who dwell in it are his. Which means you are his. You answer to him. Your existence answers to him. So when I look around at everything... I discovered that God formed it and established it. This is kind of helpful, isn't it? 
Because if you and I exist with other things that exist, might it be important for me to figure out where did the other stuff come from? And, and what's the purpose for the other stuff? Why is it there? What is that? And what does it do? I, everything needs definition. Everything needs some clarity. But if I discover that everything that exists came from God, he established it all, that all the ideas are present. For what do I do with that? And what do I not do with that? So verses one and two become the key reference point for me to figure out my own existence because it's not just about my own existence. It's about everything that exists, right? And then you keep reading. Okay, here's where I am, but what am I doing here? I'm on earth and I've just learned the earth is the Lord's. Everything in it is his. But what am I doing here? But then I hear about this, this journey, this story of life. Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? So apparently I'm on a journey on this hill of the Lord. Who will stand in his holy place? Who's going to receive blessing and righteousness from God? Who's going to seek him and to seek his face? Right, that all just explained to me, what am I doing? What's my strategy? If that's the end game. If that just revealed to me, how do you succeed at this game? Well, you are about seeking the face of the creator. That, that's how I succeed. Hey man, what you got tucked underneath your board? Well, this is how you succeed. This is how you win in the end. It informs the boundaries of my life. It informs the priorities of my life. See, before I can figure out how to do more better, I need to figure out what on earth am I supposed to be doing anyway? What matters here? What defines me? And I want to do better at that. I just don't want to do better at anything. I could come up with the stupidest ideas and do more of it. Anybody else like me? And I could do a better job at my stupid ideas. But then there's a God who created and he gave me a place in his creation. And I have a life to live. And that life is going to have an approach too. It's going to have some boundaries thrown it. There's some clean hands here. And a pure heart. And there's not lifting your soul to what is false. Right, so we're going to explore all these things. But when you get to the end of the game. And... And people at the end of the game are, are applauding at the end of the game. And they're, they're celebrating. We've, we've finished the game. And a big deal is now being made. And there's everybody's jubilant. And everybody's excited. That's the last few verses. And then you'll notice in here. What's being applauded is not how much money you had tucked underneath the board. You are not going to be applauded in the end game. The king of glory is. Everything about our lives is going to celebrate the worth and value and beauty and glory of the creator. That's where everything is headed. If you don't get that, how many of you know the first thing you'll do is try and figure out a strategy for all the applause to be yours. And that will be your means of succeeding. What do people think of me? What am I good at? How do I stick out? How do I get people to notice me? We would love for people to sit at the city gates and for the gates to lift their voice in celebration of me. All that I've done, all the influence I've had, all the greatness, all the uniqueness. Please something, please notice something unique about me. I'll post it online so you can notice my uniqueness. And then maybe you could comment on me at the city gates and celebrate the greatness of me. Right? We have a culture that's creating this. I've never seen a culture put itself on display so much in so many ways. Can I just tell everybody here? We're not that interested. <laughs> we don't care what you just ate. Or that you went to the bathroom just now. We don't. We got other stuff going on. And at the end, at the end of all this, we celebrate the king of glory. Who is the king of glory? That's what we're going to celebrate. So when I go to schedule my life, when I go to do more, better, I need these big ideas to come into my reality. Right? All right. Now, why the word yashab? 
Well, it's the word in verse 1 for dwelling. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The world and those who yashab in it. What are you doing here? I'm dwelling in God's world. How are you going to do that? Well, that's the question, isn't it? How are you going to go about dwelling in God's word? Well, that's the name of our game. But the reality is you and I dwell in God's world. That's the governing truth of our existence. You and I breathe God's air, think because God made us capable of thinking, live in his space, observe his creation, and respond to it. And we use all the things of God's world for what end? You and I dwell in God's world. Right? And this is the language of scripture. When the instructions go to play this out and help us make sense of it, as we've studied Hebrews chapter 12, remember we've been studying through the book of Hebrews? And the centerpiece of the book of Hebrews that's trying to help us, if you will, it's trying to help us with our strategy, answers to this one place in Hebrews 12 verse 1. When God turns around and says, therefore, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, if you will, since we're surrounded by people who have played the game before us, Let us run with endurance the race set before us. You and I have been given a life to live, an existence to live out. It's the language of God. So I put this paragraph, I think, in your outline. Think of this. When any of us go to answer questions about our existence or formulate a plan for the future or make decisions when facing options or conclude that something is right or something is wrong. Anybody got opinions about what's right and wrong? Something is good or something is bad. Something is acceptable or unacceptable. When we seek to construct a philosophy, and we all will, or factor in history, or deal with our memories, or manage our emotions, or engage our own sense of happiness, or answer questions and complaints that rise up in my heart, I will need Psalm 24 Verses 1 and 2. Keith, did you, did you know as you think through those things, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. I will need that to inform me. I will need to be told he established and founded the world that I am living in. The creator matters and God speaks that way I know we get busy we're doing life and what's screaming at us is just getting through this next week but but when God speaks to us he has this reference point where he's the creator therefore what he did is defining for us it creates the categories of our lives right Colossians chapter 1 this is a common language of God this is how God instructs us this is the instructions of god for living in his world colossians 1 verse 15 he speaking of jesus clarifying who he is in the mission on earth he is the image of the invisible god hold on that word invisible the firstborn of all creation jesus for by him all things now hold on to that word all things Because it's going to be used four times in this little brief passage. For by him, all things were created. In heaven, on earth, visible and invisible. Thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. All things, second time, were created through him and for him. So when you go to touch this thing over here. When you go to use this thing over here, when you go to welcome this thing into your life, when you go to have that and not have this, when you go to value that, everything you can touch in his creation is for him. When God created everything, it all reports back to Christ. It was all created for him. But you understand that thought right there will revolutionize what you do with everything in your life? My wife's life was created for him. Well, that, 
that's going to inform how I treat her, isn't it? What I will and won't do as I interact with her. Because she's created for a purpose that reports back to God. It's true of every relationship that you and I will ever have. It's true of every task, every rock that you pick up. It was created for him. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Right, so this is one of those epic passages in the Bible that defines for us our existence because it starts with the creator and says, hey, okay, here was the game plan. You want to know why the landscape of life looks the way it does? Because there was a creator who was before all things and he made these things. Okay, that's a good starting spot for me. So this isn't random. This is not an evolutionary process where there's impersonal forces that are shaping my life and determining what my experience is going to be. There's no personality involved. No, 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 no. There is a personality involved. There's a creator, and he was before all things, and he thought all this stuff through. Now, when you go to strategize, right? Make sure you're reading the instructions carefully when you strategize your game. When you go to strategize, are you thinking about all things or just a couple of things? Just the stuff that comes to mind for me, because I really haven't read the instructions, I let a priest read it for me, or a pastor, or my mom and them. I never read the instructions, you see. So I'm only paying attention to a couple of things. Well, when you go to do 2024, can I invite you into some weird categories here? Because he just explained the game to us. Here's the game. He created all things, and all things includes visible and invisible things. Do you have any idea what that's about? Did you know you live in a world with invisible things? All over the place. Creatures. There are creatures in this world that are invisible to your natural eye. When you go to strategize this year, do you know anything about those creatures? Did you know that God, who is in this passage an invisible God, interacts with you differently because he is an invisible God. He's not your bud. He's not your friend, your pal, your spouse. He will not interact with you that way. When you demote him to act as though, well, if God was real, he'd be having a conversation with me like the guy who parks my car. He is the invisible God. Did you read that in the instructions? When you go to do life and venture into these, this terrain and these experiences, you are going to be walking with an invisible God. How are you going to relate to him? He's invisible. You're going to need a different set of communication. You're going to need a different set of eyes. You're going to need to be able to see some things quite differently. He's invisible. And then there's this, he created heaven and earth. What's that all about? Well, we know there's a heaven, but did you know heaven has anything to do with earth? When you go to do 2024, have you thought about, is, is heaven involved with earth? Remember that night that Jacob, the Old Testament patriarch, fell asleep? He had a dream. What did he dream about? He saw a ladder, and there were angels ascending and descending upon it between earth and heaven. Did, did you know that stuff in earth pertains to stuff in heaven? The things that go on here, do you know there's a reason why Jesus taught us to pray? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you know heaven's got weird stuff in it? Weird just because it's unfamiliar to us. Do you know there's a temple in heaven? Did you know that Isaiah had a glimpse of heaven in Isaiah chapter 6? He, saw the, he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was seated on a throne. Did you know there were thrones in heaven? And the train of his robe filled the temple. Did you know there was a temple in heaven? Did you know there's conversations in heaven? Did you know the devil goes before God and has a conversation with God about life on earth? Did you know he turns around and says, I've been walking to and fro upon the earth and interacting with people and, and creating havoc? Did you know heaven is an active place? Did you know that there's angels flying around up there and there's a warfare going on? Did you, did you know all that? So, so when you go to strategize and play your game this year, does any of that matter? The creator, 
created these things. There's a dimension of your life that's invisible, but it's real. And you and I live in a very, very naturally minded world. But we know these things, right? Because the instruction book, if we read it, it let us in on some of this, right? Hebrews 9, verse 11, I think Frank may have references. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater, more perfect tent, there's some kind of a tent here, kind of a tabernacle, not made with hands that is not of this creation. I'm not going to try to explain this to you. We'll get to that when we get to Hebrews 9. But did you know that there's a tabernacle not seen by human eyes? And that Christ, the one who created everything, passes through it? Did you know that? Does that matter on Tuesday when you go to do more better? Does that matter? What, what about this? Ephesians 6 verse 12. Hey, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against natural forces, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Right? Paul taught the church in Ephesus that, hey, when you go to do life, There are forces that you don't see. They're heavenly forces and they're touching the stuff on earth. They're touching your life. Do you know when they touch your life? Well, not always. But the Bible guarantees it just because you don't see it. But you don't see God because God turns around and says he's invisible. But he's real. These are real things that are not easily seen by natural people. But you and I need to know, when I go to strategize my game, this is on the board with me. When I go to venture through the pathway of my life, these forces are pushing on me. The throne of heaven. Did you know there's thrones? Did you know there's dominions and authorities? Listen, I mean, I know that sounds weird, like a, there's this cosmic, this sounds like something out of a Marvel movie, right? I mean, it's like we're wizards or we're, you know, the masters of the arts and, you know, we cast spells and all. Yes! Do you know why people like Marvel write this kind of stuff? I mean, I get, you know, we're all technically, everybody wants to go see, hey, you can live all you want with your, with your technology and science and blah, blah, blah. But why do you keep spending all your money on this stuff? Because something in you recognizes there's an unseen little weird realm out there and it's got some of this kind of stuff in it and it's influencing the world that I live in and I can't quite always figure it out. But there are rulers and authorities in the world in which you are going to try and interact with in 2024. And and listen, if you were from another country and you showed up here, in America, you would be familiar with the power structures that exist. And somewhere along the way, you'd bump into that power structure. You'd, you'd bump into, you'd hear of a Supreme Court. You'd hear of a president. You'd hear of governors. There'd be a sheriff. And there'd be a local policeman. All of them are rulers with authority. In a variety of ways, you were going to encounter them. All right, can you just pick that concept up and say, in the heavenly realm, spiritually, there's something like that. And they bump into each other. And we're not called to govern them. We're not called to manage them. They do their own thing. But I need to be aware of that. Right? Let me give you a good example of. Here's a gamer who played the game. His name was Abraham. And when he played the game, he was aware of these things. Genesis 24, verse 1. Listen just the way he talks. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in years. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. The invisible God. Abraham knew My life is what it is because the invisible God has interacted with me and has blessed me and rewarded me and given righteousness to me. All those things that are in Psalm 24. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of earth. Can you not read past that too fast? Because the God who is governing the stuff going on in the heavens has something to do with the stuff going on in earth. There's a reason why Abraham says it that way. 
He is not just, hey, a big God. He's God of heaven and earth. There's stuff in heaven going on. He's governing. And there's stuff on earth that you and I are existing in. That you will not, is what he wanted his servant to know, that you will not take a wife from my son, from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But you will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife from my son, from Isaac. All right. Life is about to be lived. Abraham's looking into the future. He wants a spouse for his son. And he's taking activity to accomplish that. And his servant turns around and says what most of us would say to anything that looks hard. Well, uh, well, perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. What if, right, how many of you guys greet God saying anything to you with? What if that doesn't work? Right, here's the servant saying, dude, I'm going to a land I've never been to. They don't know me. Why on earth would any woman just pick up and say, sure, <laughs> I'll relocate. Never even met the guy. Don't know who you're. Yeah, I'm all game. I don't think this is a good idea, Abraham. I don't think this is going to work. Perhaps a woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, see to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and who spoke to me and swore to me. Stop for a second. We're going to encounter this as we move through our story in the coming weeks. Abraham was minding his own business. By the way, living in God's earth. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He's living in the land of Ur the Chaldees, minding his own business, making a profit. He's a wealthy man. Things are going well. He's got a lot of money tucked underneath the board. He's playing the game. And the God of the universe comes along and says, hey, dude, I don't know if you know this, but the earth is mine and the fullness thereof and all those who dwell therein. You pick up and relocate to this land. Everything that you have invested in, everything that you have trusted in, everything that brings you an ounce of security, everything that's familiar to you, you get up and walk away from it. And you follow me. Did you know the God of the universe can say that to you? And do you know what he expects you to do when he says that? Obey him. Trust him. Honor him. Follow him. So Abraham, he's played the game. And he is letting us know the God of heaven who governs in heaven and he governs on earth. He took me from that land and he relocated me over here. And he said to your offspring, I will give this land. Listen to what he says next. He, this is why you don't have to worry about whether this woman's coming with you or not. He will send his angel before you. And you shall take a wife from my son from there. All right, now stop for a second. Are you thinking about 2024? I got to be honest with you. I've got seven children. Only one of them is married. I want my children to have a spouse. I'm not sure I'm thinking angels are involved in that. Now, maybe for a couple of them, I'm thinking it's going gonna, it's, yeah, it's to take some kind of miraculous event for some. But for the most part, did you stop and think that there's stuff in 2024 that God is going to do in your life that's going to take angelic beings to pull it off? Have you ever noticed that in that story? That Abraham's not just doing the next thing. He's kind of like, hey, yeah, I read this do more better thing. Got a cool plan. Or I got an app. You know, so I'm putting on the calendar there. I'm hopefully, well, I don't know, wedding date for Isaac. You know, hope that's going to work out. We'll see. I don't know. No, he knows the God of heaven is about to do something that's going to involve forces and powers that he doesn't have. So when the person turns around and says, Abraham, this sounds like a dumb idea. I don't know how on earth this ever happens. Well, because there's more going on than meets your eye. There are forces moving in this world that will accomplish. You see, because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You know, when you get to the end of this thing, he's the Lord of hosts. You know who those hosts are, right? They're not you and me. They're the other invisible beings. Who fill the heavens 
with the applause of God, the angelic host, the, they call the army of God. God dispenses powers and he does things, but not just for Abraham. In our world, this is how God is operating. Even though it's invisible. R.C. Sproul died several years ago, very influential pastor, author in the body of Christ for many years. He says, there's more to life than meets the eye. Reality transcends what we see with our eyes and hear with our ears. Reality goes beyond sense perceptions. It's not less than what we perceive, but it is certainly more. Classically, the church has made an important distinction between the realm of the supernatural and the realm of the natural. Nature and super nature, two dimensions of the fullness of reality. Even within the realm of nature, there's more there than meets the eye. We live in a world inhabited by microorganisms that are invisible to the naked eye. The microscope may reveal swarms of real entities that can invade our bodies and destroy us. How many guys have had the flu already? Do you believe in invisible things? You have had the flu? Anybody got the flu shot? You believe in invisible things? Yes, you do. You don't see those germs, but they're there. They exist. They are real. They are out there. But until they make a sneeze or provoke more severe discomfort, we are largely oblivious to them. There are other forces of nature that affect our daily lives than what we see not. We do not see electricity. We do not observe gravity. We fail to observe energy. But we see the results of these things. And now that they are there. And know that they are there. In a sense, we take them by faith. So when you and I go to do life this year, what's your strategy? All things were created by him. I don't know that we have a strategy that goes into the all things. I think we have a strategy that goes into our narrow little experiential categories. And we're trying to figure out just how to change our schedule a little bit so that things don't feel so hectic or how to save a few dollars so that we can take a vacation to Florida. Uh, This is the realm that we're thinking in and we're planning our lives. But when you go to do your existence, he created all things. There is this massive fork in the road in scripture. It's from the very beginning. It's the Garden of Eden. And man is about to play the game. And he has a choice. He can either look to the invisible God and entrust himself to the mystery of the God who manages everything. All the unknowns is managed by the one God. He just has to seek him and seek his face. Or he can choose the tree. The tree of knowledge. He can know things. He doesn't have to wait and live in mystery and not know and trust. He can know things. Right, that day still lives today. You and I still have those choices to make. We live in a land, we live in a moment where years ago the enlightenment taught us the age of reason. Remember this? Late 1600s, it changed the western world. You and I are living in the shadows of the enlightenment. And what was chosen was human reason over trusting God. Now, here's where I get concerned. You and I are about to do life in 2024. And we are very influenced by the enlightenment. We are very influenced by the age of reasons. We're very influenced that we can figure this thing out. Rather than entrusting ourselves to God. So I want to pray for us, but this is going to, our, our ministry time and our focus today is going to be about Wednesday night. It's going to be about coming back here as though we need a strategy that's supernatural. We need to look to the invisible God because there are these all things in our lives that if all I'm doing is filling up my calendar and doing a better job of managing my time and thinking into 2024 without all these things. And you know what all these things starts to do to you? It starts to overwhelm you, doesn't it? I mean, gee, thanks. You know, the people in my life were difficult enough. Now you got angels messing with my world too. Thanks, dude. But you know what happens when it gets too big for you and you get overwhelmed? You look to God. You know what happens when you dumb it down and simplify it to just what you can manage? You look to you. So 2024 is getting started.
Right. Let me close with this thought. Stephen, you can just come. Just for a moment, we're going to pray. Let's suppose I invited one more guy who played the game. All right, so here's our setting. We've just been given the game board. We're going to do the game, 2024. And this crusty, wise old man, dirt under his fingernails, scars up his arms. He's missing a finger. Takes his handkerchief out, wipes his face. He's a little dirty and sweaty. And he breaks open this book. And his name is the Apostle Paul. And he says, I've played the game. I know a few things about the game. As you guys venture into 2024, let me just give you this advice on how you play. Ephesians 5 verse 6, he says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Listen to the forces that are in his conversation. Invisible forces. You know what the wrath of God looks like? Well, it's invisible until it becomes something. But it's in our world. It's actively in our world. Therefore, do not become partners with them. With who? These sons of disobedience. There's other creatures that exist here. You're going to bump into them. Some of them are called the sons of disobedience. Don't be partners with them. For at one time, you were darkness. Spooky. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that's good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part. Here's a strategy. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. But instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But but when anything is exposed to light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake. Can I just think the Apostle Paul would sit and hold hands with the American church and that would be the first word out of his mouth. A westernized, enlightened society that's produced a church that is dull to things spiritually and alive to stuff that we can think of and trust in. He would say, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. That's a force, isn't it? But it's invisible. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine, but that's debauchery. But be filled with the spirit. How many guys know that's invisible? But you feel it. And it does something to you that will change the way you approach your life. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm not going to ask you to respond this morning. I'm going to ask you to populate a prayer meeting on Wednesday night as though your life depends on it. As though whether you're looking for a spouse for your children in the coming year. Or you're looking for something or you're concerned that according to the rules here, I don't want to be lifting my soul up to something that's false. And I'm going to be navigating a world full of deception in this coming year. Anybody absolutely sure you're not going to misstep this year? You're going to be fine. You're going to read everything just fine. You're going to make all the right decisions. You're going to go through these valleys of vengeance. And you're going to manage your emotions just fine. You're not going to resent another person in this world. You're not going to have any unforgiveness issues. You're going to go into 2024. And right now you're sitting in this room right now. And the anger in you is seething. About something that's unresolved. Are you going into 2024 like that? There are forces in this world that will eat you for lunch. And you can't see them. But they're real. And they're coming for you. And if the Apostle Paul were here, he would say, be careful how you live. So what if we, what if we had a strategy meeting on Wednesday night? What if Wednesday night was about how to approach the game this coming year. You're going to exist in this year. I'm in over my head. I'm coming Wednesday night because I'm in over my head. I need God to show up for me. And I need to posture myself to relate to him. Let's stand up together.
Lord, here we are, start of another year in our lives. Lord, we sang earlier this morning. Lord, thank you for the goodness that has invaded our lives, that brings us to this moment. Lord, some of us look back on 2023 and there's some things that are unresolved. There are things that kind of have created a shadow that we're living in. There's some things that we're gripped by, whether there's health issues in our bodies causing us to wonder about the future, relational struggles that we're experiencing. Lord, maybe you've blessed us with so much abundance that the abundance is having an impact on us. Whatever it is, 2024 is before us. We're going to navigate the days ahead. Lord, there are things that exist on this board that are invisible to us. But you created them, the invisible and the visible. Lord, there are things about heaven doing some stuff that's going to affect what we do here on earth. Lord, you're managing all that. The God of heaven is involved here on earth and you called us to pray and come seek you as father. So Lord, thank you that you have revealed more in the instruction manual than just the earth is the Lord's. Lord, for those of us who have received righteousness and salvation in this psalm, you are our father and you will be leading us and guiding us every step of the way and we will need you. And Lord, we will need a priority in our lives. And, and, and God, this is the place that we struggle to maintain. To be the generation that seeks you first. That seeks the face of God above anything else. Lord, some of us have concluded a noisy 2023. And you're down the list a little bit. You're not first, God. You're on the list still. And we never would want to forget about you. But you're not first. And you're not all right with that. Or maybe this week is about us starting this year and gathering before you and about praying and fasting and believing that there's some things that look impossible until you send some kind of heavenly reinforcement or move by your spirit and fill us and cause things to happen that could not have happened unless you had acted on our behalf. And you can do that, Lord, as we'll hear, because the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. Lord, this is all yours. So, Father, as we open the box, before we start to do life this year, God, help us to be people who want to read the instructions carefully. We want to take your word into our hearts. But, Lord, bring us back here. Bring us back here this week. Bring us back this Wednesday night to seek your face, to start the year with one thing above everything else, to get one thing right. Lord, we're not, we're not looking to eat from the tree to figure out our lives. God, we're looking to you. We're going to take everything we can think of about our days that are coming in 2024, and we're coming here to come before your throne. Lord, we heard there's a throne in heaven, and you've invited us to come to find grace and mercy to help along this journey. So, Lord, we'll see you Wednesday night with our hearts coming to ask you to bless, guard, and guide us in 2024 for you, King of glory, to receive the praise from our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Looking forward to seeing you guys Wednesday. You guys visiting us. Hope you can come. If you're watching online or you're watching a delay, please come join us if you can. Wednesday night, 6, come have some dinner and then come enjoy some prayer time together. Hey guys, if you need prayer this morning, please avail yourself of the prayer team. And, and guys, there's a guest reception in the bookstore. So if you're visiting with us for the last week or two or a few, come join us. We'd love to get a chance to meet you.